Welcome to Cherry Beckert's Industrial Manufacturing Podcast. We are excited to continue our latest series titled Building a Competitive Recovery. We will discuss the challenges of this COVID recovery landscape and provide strategies to position your manufacturing business for future success. I'm Matt Brady, leader of the firm's Industrial Manufacturing Industry Group. Today, I'm joined by Brian Dill, leader of our International Tax Services Practice. Brian joins me today to discuss part two of our series on the impact upcoming international tax changes will have on your supply chain efficiency. Welcome, Brian. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, let, let's dive in. I know we've got a lot to cover. So, so when it comes to all the talk coming from inside the Beltway concerning tax proposals put forth by President Biden and the House Ways and Means, in order of importance, where do the international tax proposals stand? You know, short answer, Matt, and coming from an international tax guy, getting a short answer is kind of hard. But from a revenue raise perspective, I think the international proposals score right up there with the corporate tax rate. You know, when you when you see it, it's about a quarter of the revenue raise is coming from international proposals. What I think puts it over the top for companies is that these are very complex provisions. It's not just like a rate increase. It's coming from many different provisions and acts and changes to acts to cover these international revenue raisers. So that's not just an impact on a company's tax rate. I really think some of the bigger things that will impact a lot of our clients and taxpayers that are in the international arena are going to come to their accounting systems. Um, the way these provisions are written, tax software, accounting systems, going into your systems and getting out the necessary information in order for us to make these calculations that are going to be required, um, jurisdiction by jurisdiction, revenue by jurisdiction, taxes by jurisdiction, are going to be quite complex and hard to get out. I don't think a lot of the accounting systems, especially for mid-market companies, are going to be able to do this just naturally. And I think people are going to have to be ready for that. Um, so I suspect if this goes through, uh, companies should think about, can their accounting systems handle the data requirements? Um, and then what are they going to do in the first year? Are they going to have to do offline calculations to provide their tax providers to do these additional calculations to get the accounting where it needs to be? I think those are some of the things under the the hood when you look at it that people aren't thinking about. So so if increased taxes or the, the concept of that isn't bad enough, it's also the added compliance and the added uh, capabilities needed to even get that compliance done. That, that's what it sounds like, right? Uh, look, Matt, you know, the truth is international tax compliance for, for your U.S. reporting is already the most uh, complex area when it comes to doing the calculations and putting it on the form. This is only going to make it that much more difficult and complicated, and I suspect the reporting will go up. You know, the new forms will be longer. They will be more complex. Um, I, I think it is going to be a huge administrative and resource burden on our clients and taxpayers that are in the international market. So so certainly, as as we'd all hope, the sooner we know, the better, so we can start preparing for that. So 
So Brian, let's let's talk a bit. You know, when it comes to the BBBA Build Back Better Act, legislative proposals approved by the Ways and Means. Um, where should the industrial sector companies focus their attention when it comes to the international tax proposals? Well, Matt, unfortunately, that's a gotcha question. I really wish I could point to, oh, here it is, you know, like a statutory tax increase or here's the credit where you should focus on. That's the entire basic problem when it comes to the international tax proposals is that it's very dependent. The impact is going to be very dependent upon the particular taxpayer's structure. Do they operate through a partnership? Do they have foreign subsidiaries? Do they operate through a C corporation? You know, who are their foreign customers? Do they operate in a foreign country with very high taxes like Japan? Do they operate in a low tax country like Ireland? All of those different things are going to impact, you know, so I say the structure and the supply chain are going to have big impacts on what the effect is to the U.S. taxpayer operating internationally. And unfortunately, you know, I know CEOs and CFOs are benchmark against their competitors in the industry, like effective rate, what's your cash flow after taxes a lot of times. Well, guess what? Just because your customer base may be in a different country, your tax effect may be very different than your competitors. So benchmarking uh, may be kind of arbitrary at this point. So I think there's a lot of things there that are going to to impact on proposals. Um, I would say at a fundamental level, uh, what Ways and Means and Biden is proposing is going to make it very difficult if not impossible, to earn and defer taxable income earned offshore by U.S. foreign businesses. Uh, What we call the guilty provisions, um, I think it's going to capture more foreign income in the U.S. and subject it to tax, and you're going to get less deductions. Um, On top of it, as I previously mentioned, you know, the proposals are going to make it far more difficult to obtain a foreign tax credit. Um, what they do is they tend to give it to you up front, but then they take it away from you in 200 pages. And the way they do that is they're going to stratify it to where one foreign tax can only go against a certain type of foreign income. And they're going to make it more and more difficult, especially the jurisdiction by jurisdiction rules they're trying to impose. Um, you know, this is my, you know, I haven't run this by Cherry Becker, but this is my professional opinion. In short, I think the tax provisions that are proposed run in contradiction to the way the rest of the world operates. The rest of the world operates what I call on a territorial system basis, meaning that in the UK, for example, if you earn money in the UK from your operations, you pay tax. But if your foreign subsidiary earns money in the US, you know, you don't pay tax on the UK. You know, it's a much more territorial oriented system. Here in the US, we are trying to tax worldwide income, even if you have legitimate foreign operations and customers in a foreign location. And I really think that this is going to be anti-competitive for our US businesses competing overseas, especially if they cannot 
get credits or incentives here in the U.S., and they cannot compete on a cost basis uh, with other foreign competitors, I think it's an anti-competitive measure, um, some of these proposals. And, and, and it's interesting. And, and as you as you mentioned all that, and I heard you say structuring, you know, we talk about our supply chain. I mean, those are very complex, well thought out and, and take time to uh, adapt or change. So thinking about the fact that it's uh, it's the October, it's, we're going into we're going into uh, fourth quarter. You know, what do you think the timing looks like on on seeing some of these proposals become law? Uh, and then and then how do we all prepare for that? Yeah, I, I'm sure our our listeners are focused on CNBC and reading in the Wall Street Journal. And you're seeing a lot of talk about the fiscal year deadline coming up at the end of this month in September, trying to push it through in September um, because of the debt ceiling. I think that's a non-starter. Um, you know, it's that the Ways and Means has an 880-page text. There's a lot to get through. But I would suspect that if this is going to go through, that we're going to see it here in Q4. You know, we're going to see it October, November, December. I think if we look back at the 2017 TCGA, uh, that was late in the year in December that it was put in place and that had people like me scrambling at the very last second uh no christmas holidays for tax professionals i would not be surprised if we see something like that where we're scrambling at the last second with these new rules um here at the end of the year and once again the holidays may not be an option for us because uh, if you look at the effective dates um, they're all going to take place as soon as this is implemented for the most part. So most of our taxpayers and clients are not going to have time to react and think through the impacts once this thing is put in place. Uh, they're just going to, you know, it's going to be very short time frame and you're going to be stuck with your supply chain. You're going to be stuck with your structure and you're going to be what I would call in a higher taxed environment. You know, I mentioned on a previous podcast, I think what people don't realize about the international proposals, since it's not tied to a rate, um, I think financial analysts, I think uh, CFOs have a hard time saying, well, what does that mean to my business? I would say, you know, if you can't get a foreign tax credit, if these new foreign tax credit rules go through and these new guilty provisions go through, you know, you're looking at a corporate rate going from 21 to 28 percent. On top of it, with the international provisions and the potential to not get a credit, I mean, you're looking at an effective corporate rate, um, not including state taxes, of easily being in the 40s. Um, if you're a highly leveraged business, you know, and we've encouraged debt financing and everything, it's in the 163J limitations on top of it. I mean, you're looking at close to a 50% rate and then trying to compete with a UK company at 19%. I mean, these are big number jumps. That's why I think, you know, people say, oh, I can handle going from 21 to 26 and a half, or I can handle going from 21 to 28, but they're not thinking about the hidden, and that's the international, and you're going from 21 to the 40s. 
you know, you're doubling your rate overnight. And, and, and knowing to your point that we might not see all of this uh, in any sort of final bill until November, maybe, or, or worst case, December, um, you know, what, what should companies start doing now? Is it running hypotheticals? Is it uh, just running different scenarios? Or is it truly we need to wait and, and see? That's a great question. I mean, e- each company is different. Uh, the proposals are very complex. And so their impact is very fact specific. But I think anybody knows that if you're potentially facing a doubling of your income tax rate on your foreign earned income, uh, you need to do something. And, and we re- we recommend, you know, you begin to do the models, you begin to do the forecast, and you start running what-if scenarios. Well, what if this, you know, what if I were to bring some jobs back to the United States? What if I were looking at my transfer pricing and what would it look like to restructure into a intercompany pricing that brought more profit back into the U.S. I think you got to do that now because all of the what if scenarios, the implementation on most of these scenarios, it's not a simple let's pull the switch. I mean, there's legal involved. There's accounting systems. There could be potential restructurings involved. So it's a long tail to get this implemented. And I would recommend people start thinking about it now and then start thinking about, well, okay, can I have it done at the end of Q1? Can I have it done by Q2 Uh, in order to forecast what their tax impact is going to be and how long it's going to be? I would think there are going to be very few real international tax payers uh, that are going to be able to restructure overnight um, and get this done by the end of this year. Perhaps they can. But I think the sooner you start on it, uh, the quicker you're going to be able to know what the impact is on you as a taxpayer and the quicker you're going to be react, be able to react in the marketplace um, because your competitors doing that. Yeah, and, and those are all really good suggestions. And, and part of what I hear is if you're a taxpayer that typically waits until November, December to start your year end planning or really your you know, next year's tax planning, it really probably starts today. Um, and so uh, that's that goes for any year, certainly goes for a year where we're going to have a lot of potential change, or, or at least we do have change on the horizon. So, um, so, so Brian, thanks for thanks for taking time to bring us up to, to current date. Um, certainly there's stay tuned. Uh, there's more to come. Um, and we certainly want to help our companies and, and taxpayers uh, ensure that they do start working through any potential uh, adjustments in their structure or revisiting those supply chain models. So um, for our listeners, we hope this conversation provided you with just a glimpse into the what ifs uh, as it relates to the upcoming international tax changes. Uh, additional guidance on today's subject can be found in the related guidance section of this podcast webpage. You can also visit cbh.com backslash guide for more information. We really hope you'll tune in for the rest of our series on building a competitive recovery. Next, we will highlight the pros and cons of utilizing vertical integration to ease supply chain challenges. Then in part four, we'll focus on the benefits of the new market tax credits and, and what that can bring to your growth strategy. And in the final part, we will review some of the tax strategies available to offset those potential expansion costs. 
If you missed part one, where we discuss digital strategies for optimizing supply chain, it's not too late. Uh, please go back and, uh, and listen to that. So thanks again for joining us and look forward to the next podcast. Thanks, Brian. Thanks.